Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Going to miss you. Those of you who are leaving us, shame on you. Uh, tonight, before we get started, uh, I don't know if uh, the first person, um, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what Fuse is. Everybody say Fuse is. And uh, how many of you guys have been here over the last three weeks and you've kind of been a part of this series? And so hopefully you remember what Fuse is. The first week we talked about what Fuse is. The first person to jump up and tell me is going to win Chick-fil-A tonight. What was Fuse is the first week? Anybody? That was week two. All right. You can jump up for that one. Anybody remember what week one was about? Jump up, bro. Jump up an encounter with God. That's right. That's what Fuse is. Give me five, bro. We're going to, we're going to Chick-fil-A tonight and uh, you just want a free Chick-fil-A meal. So good job. All right. Week two was family. That's right. Fuse is family. That's good. You get, you just want Chick-fil-A bro on me tonight. All right. Uh, and so this week we're going to be talking about kind of the third week about what Fuse is. And, uh, and so Fuse is, we, our mission statement, I don't know if you guys know what our mission statement is, but it says Fuse exists to reach unsaved, broken students with the love of God, while discipling students with the passion, faith, and ability to transform their generation. And so Fuse is discipleship, raising up disciples, sending disciples out. And uh, one of the ways that we're going to kind of gauge how we're doing in that is we're going to survey you guys. And so you're going to participate in a survey tonight. And um, this isn't just a normal survey. This is a Tom Fox survey. So uh, there's some pretty hardcore questions on this survey. And so what I need you guys to do is, well, what's going to happen is we're going to survey you tonight. And then we're going to survey you at the end of the year. Because here's what I believe in. I believe in your spiritual growth. More than numbers, more than how many students fill this room. The most thing that's most important to me is your growth spiritually in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that involves a lot of different things. And so you're going to have an opportunity to kind of weigh in as a student body tonight so that we can kind of assess where we are spiritually, emotionally, physically, some of the things that we're dealing with. You're going to be able to weigh on that. So here's what I need you to do tonight. Um, First of all, do not put your names on these surveys. These are anonymous. Okay. And here's why I need you guys to be honest and I need you to be real. If there was ever a time for you to be honest and real, it would be right now. I don't want, uh, you know, weird answers or answers that maybe you're afraid to tell. Cause no one's going to know we're going to enter in these computer and it's going to spit out some numbers and stuff so that we can see where you guys are spiritually, emotionally, physically, all that kind of stuff. And so what I need you guys to do is be honest and uh, no one's going to see these except for me and, and a couple of our staff members that are entering them in. And do not put your names on them because they're anonymous. That's what anonymous means. They don't know who you are. Uh, if you do put your name on them and you answer some questions that, you know, the way that you should, honestly, uh, and you want us to call you or help you, don't put your name on them. Okay? This is a survey. We want to get a really good pulse of where our student ministry is. So I have some leaders. They're going to pass these out. I'm going to give you guys some uh, uh, game show music, and uh, you're going to fill these out for me real quick. And when you're done, fold them in half, raise them up in the air, and a leader will come and collect them from you. They won't look at them, and they're going to go into a secret vault, 
and uh, we're going to assess the results. So hope you guys are cool with this. Hope it doesn't invade too much of your private space. But again, do not put your names on them. And you will understand why. You should have some pins underneath your seat with your Bibles. And so go ahead and fill those out as honest and as real as you possibly can. Don't answer what you'd like to be or do. Answer what you are currently doing or being. Okay, then put that. Just answer to your best of ability. Check it or exit. It doesn't really matter. You can even fill in the box. Whatever floats your boat. All right? And you want to do it quickly. Don't take too much time to think about it. Just fill them out very quickly. We want to get through this quickly because we're running out of time. You have two minutes to complete the survey, so do it quickly. Fold it in half and raise it up in the air. Do not share your answers with your neighbor. Yell bingo when you're done. There is questions on the back. Make sure you don't forget to turn your page over and answer those questions. Don't forget there's questions on the back. You still have two minutes. This is the... Where did you get this game show music, bro? I've never heard of this one. Hey, you're not supposed to be looking on your neighbor's sheet. David, don't be copying answers. Bingo. You can fold them in threes if you need to. Just don't fold them in eight hundreds. All right, you have one more minute. You should be finishing up by now. I know there's some tough questions on there.
All right, we need to be finishing these up. Another one's done right there. Another one's done right here. All right, we should be finished up. Does anybody have one still? All right. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. In your Bibles, if you're still filling out a survey, just hand it to uh, an adult when you are finished. Mark chapter 4, you should have your Bibles open. Mark chapter 4, get ready to take some notes. Get ready to take some notes. Tonight, I just want to talk to you guys for about 10 minutes about this, about uh, what do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? What do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? What do we do in that, uh, what I like to call the meantime? It's, it's the meantime. What do we do when we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we're supposed to be? That's a huge question. And um, tonight as we talk about discipleship and we talk about leading and serving and, and how we're going to do that in Fuse, uh, the story in, in, in Mark is is really the probably one of the coolest stories about the disciples, and uh, I'm going to kind of run through this really really quick just because of time. Um, verse 35 of Mark chapter four. When you're there, say yes. Good job. So that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, "This is Jesus talking." He said, "Let us go over to the other side." Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. Everybody say boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and uh, I'm assuming you guys know what a squall is. The waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Look at your neighbor and say, Quiet. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And then verse 40 said, He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And then uh, chapter five, verse one says, they went across the lake to the region of the G-men. All right. Then in Mark chapter six, if you can flip over a couple pages, Mark chapter six. And I'm going to read this from the King James because I love how the King James says it. And so your Bible may say something different. Uh, But it will be on the screen for you guys. He says, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. Everybody say, 
boat. And to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people, when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on land. So the disciples are in the ship, out in the sea. Jesus is back on land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. And he would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, a ghost. And they cried out. For they saw him and they were troubled and immediately he talked with them and he saith unto them, this is what he said, be of good cheer. I think that's funny. It is I, be not afraid. And when he went up into them with the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed. That's intensely amazed. In themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they had considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of the other G-men and drew to the shore. And when they were there, they came up out of the ship straightway. They knew him and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And um, verse 50, though, I have to kind of go back to this because in the midst of of what they were going, what was happening. The, the ship was being tossed about and Jesus comes walking out on the waves and they see him and they freak him out, right? They're freaked out. Everybody say freaked out. They're freaked out. And Jesus says probably one of the coolest lines in the Bible in the King James Version. He goes up to the boat and he says, be of good cheer. I mean, that's like the craziest thing you can say to somebody when they're in a boat. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys have ever been canoeing. Anybody ever been canoeing? Yeah, I hate canoeing. And uh, I went canoeing, and I, I just don't like being in deep water. I don't like being out on boats. I don't like, because I can't touch. And if I can't touch, I'm freaked out. And, um, and so I know a canoe is not a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to me. One, because I don't fit well in a canoe. And so... I remember being in this canoe and it was just the worst day of my life, but there's gators out in the water. So we're trying to dodge gators. Our boat, just the guy in the back couldn't get the rudder thing going right. And so literally we spent the whole day just going bank to bank to bank. The boat never went straight. It always just went at angles. And then in the midst of our canoe trip, my, my seat broke because it was plastic. It had nothing to do with that. I'm big, but it was plastic, my seat broke, and then I got up to try to fix my seat, and my pants split. So now I'm in the canoe, I hate canoeing, there's gators, my pants are split, my seat's broke, and then we got stuck on a log, and I lost my paddle. And so I could just imagine this moment right there where I am, this is the worst day of my life. I'm in this stupid canoe with this guy that I really don't like, and he can't get the rudder thing going right. And we went, it was a four and a half mile trip, but it was really nine because we're going back and forth, right? And then my pants split, my seat broke, my paddle gets lost, and we're stuck on a log. That's a bad day, right? That's why I hate canoeing. But I can imagine Jesus walking up on the water at that moment in time where I am just freaked out. I'm sweating profusely. My pants are split. My seat is broke. I hate canoeing. And Jesus walks up to me and says, 
be of good cheer. I probably, honestly, would probably have cussed at that moment at Jesus. I'm just being real. I would have probably cussed. Not knowing if it was Jesus or not, I would have cussed. Would anybody else cuss in the room? Okay, at least the four people are honest. And, um, and I probably would have. And I'm sure the disciples are in the same place where they're, like, going through this horrible time. They're in this boat. He had already, like, calmed the waves. And now he's over somewhere praying, doing God knows what. All of a sudden, the boat's in the, in the water. It's going crazy. They're freaking out. He comes walking out of nowhere, right? They think he's a ghost. They get freaked out. And he comes up to the boat, and he's just so chilled. And he says, be of good cheer. And I'm just sure that some of the disciples were just like, you know what? This guy's getting on my nerves. But this is what happened. And, and one of the things that I love about the disciples is they were messed up. They were jacked up. They were broken. They didn't have it all together, just like me and you. But there's a few things that happened in this story that I think are really important for you and I to know. And because what happened is he gets in the boat with them. They go to the other side. And then God begins to use all of them in a big way. And I believe that God wants to use you and me in a big way. And um, one of the things I want you to write down is this. We can't get to the other side without God. We can be, man, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times in my life where, man, there's just a lot going on in my life. There's trials going on. I'm struggling in life. I'm, I'm questioning things. I feel like I'm being tossed back and forth through a lot of different things. And And it really is that moment at that time where I feel like I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not yet where I'm supposed to be. Like destiny is over there and my past is over there, but I'm not quite there yet. And so I'm stuck in this meantime. And the disciples, what I love about it is they were there too, but they realized that they couldn't get to the other side without God. And so we desperately need God. That's why discipleship and being uh, involved in Fuse is so important. Then secondly is this. It's okay to be scared. You know, as a leader, as a student, as someone who's just maybe new in your faith, maybe you've just given your life to Christ in the last year, like it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be intimidated while you're in this time. And sometimes we get freaked out and it's okay to be freaked out because I think it's in those moments when we're freaked out where we begin to depend upon God the most. Amen. And then the last thing is this, this is, well, not the last thing. The other thing is, it's not who you think you are. You know, what I loved about the disciples is they were just, they they were just ordinary dudes. They were just ordinary people that God decided to use in big ways. And one of the things that I think keeps us from really becoming who God wants us to be is condemnation. Because when we feel condemned, we often begin to live in a place where our potential just gets, just gets totally destroyed, just like the disciples did so many times. And I know that wherever you are and whatever God's doing in and through you, that there's this point where you have to decide to do something. And this is it. You have to decide to stay in the boat. There were times on that canoe trip that I just wanted out of that canoe. I just wanted out of it. I was ready to jump out and just get to the shore and be like, screw this, man, this sucks. Like, and I know some of you guys are in that place in your life right now where you're like, you know what? Screw this, this sucks, I'm out. And one of the things that I wanna encourage you tonight is this, stay in the boat. 
Because when we stay in the boat, we begin to see God do things in our life and we will get to the other side and we will get to our destiny. We will get to the things that God wants to do in and through us, but we have to stay in the boat. How do we do this? The first thing is we do this. We serve. We serve. We stay in the boat by serving. And I don't know how, many, how long you've been coming to Fuse, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. Is stay in the boat and then serve. We are going to be creating a lot of different positions right here in Fuse that you guys can get involved in. Not only here in Fuse, but in JV and in NBC Kids and out in our community. And I want to encourage you guys to go to the next the next step to go to the next level in your relationship with God by serving. Everybody say serve. And so every Wednesday night we meet here at 6:15 and we have a serve meeting. And we talk about the night, we get everybody in position, and then at 6:30 we actually spend time praying together. We pray over every seat in this room. Every seat that you are sitting in tonight has been prayed over already before you got here. And so you I'm I'm inviting you to come be a part of that. That God, I believe that God wants to use you. God wants to use your gifts and your abilities to do something great for him. And all you have to do is just make a commitment to be here 45 minutes early to serve. Everybody say serve. The second thing is I want to encourage you to lead. And you might be like, well, what's the difference? And here's, this is kind of the statement is everyone that serves leads, but those that lead serve. Because I believe that's when you start serving that God begins to create leadership in you. And he begins to give you visions and dreams of what he wants to do in and through you, in your home, in the city, in all these different areas that you have influence in. And so I want to encourage you to come and serve because that's when God will begin to anoint the dreams that he already has for you and in you. And he will begin to speak those to you as you do that. And then as you lead, we also serve. And so we're creating, we're kind of unveiling something tonight. It's a pretty big deal. And we're unveiling something. It's, it's, I think it's probably the coolest thing on the planet. But we're creating an opportunity for you guys tonight to lead infuse. And so what I thought it would be kind of cool tonight is to kind of unveil this in a unique way. And um, what we have here is really a, a model of what a leader looks like. And I, I don't know if you guys have ever been to like, or seen like the Grammys or any of that kind of stuff. But when you lead, when you serve, not only God will reward you, but I believe uh, there's going to be a reward for you. And one of the big rewards of being a part of uh, the leadership here at Fuse is I believe God is going to begin to give you dreams and visions of what, what needs to happen, not only in Fuse, but in this city. And um, one of the coolest things that, that I believe that's going to happen is you are going to become Fuse. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, that you are Fuse. And the God has already given some of the visions and dreams for you. But in order for you to do that, you have to step up and decide to lead. Now, we're going to have an application process for this. We're not going to just accept uh, anybody. You're going to have to go through an application process. You're going to have to interview. You're going to have to go through an initiation process. You're going to have to try out. That's, it's, it's hardcore. Because here's the deal. I believe God wants to use us to flip the city upside down. And I believe that God's positioned you and me right here in this room, right here and right now for a reason. 
And over the next four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, we're going to see hundreds and thousands of students come to know Jesus. And it's not because of anything about me or about any of our leaders here. It's because it's you. God's going to give you visions and he's going to give you dreams to fulfill his mission right here in Ocala. And so tonight I wanted to kind of do in a fun way. I wanted to present to you guys an award, a model, a uh, statue in a sense of what a fused leader looks like. And we just might do this to all of you guys. So you can be excited and, and be like that. But if we were to unveil what a student leader looks like. Whoops. Sorry. Whoops. Something stuck. All right, here we go. On the count of three. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. One, two, three. Yes. Now, listen, a student leader is amazing. It's someone who's in the word of God. It's someone who's journaling. It's someone that's desperate to see God move on their campus, in their home, and in their city. It's someone that not only looks fly all the time, but it's someone that has vision for what they want to see God do in and through them all across this place. And so tonight, that's what we're calling you to. We're calling you to be a polished arrow. A couple weeks ago, I shared a vision that I saw us building a structure where students would run to it and they would climb to the top and God would take them in their hand. He'd take them in their hand and he would pick them up. And when he put them back down, they would become a polished arrow. And those arrows would begin to shoot off all over the city and they would explode. And then the remnants of those arrows would explode on their friends. And then those friends would run to the structure. So tonight you have an opportunity to be a part of something big. Not because we're big or not because Meadowbrook is big, but because God is big. Amen. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to start dreaming again. That you would ask God to fill you with vision of what he wants to do in this city. You guys remember Dan, right? The story of Dan, the tennis balls. Remember that? I'll never forget the night Dan came to me about a two and a half months after his salvation experience. He said, Pastor Tom, I believe that God wants to use me to change my school. And I said, well, Dan, how are you going to do that? He said, well, God's given me a vision. And the first thing I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to go to my school and pray over my school. The first thing that I did when I came to Ocala, I went right to the high schools. And I began to pray over the schools. I've been to every high school in this, in this city. And I've asked God, Franklin went with me one day. We asked God to move in a mighty way this year that he would pour out visions and dreams on students all over the city. And I'll never forget Dan. He came to my office with a, with a, like a crowbar kind of thing. And he had about 3000 scriptures written on little strips of paper. And he said, Pastor Tom, I believe that God wants us to go to my school and we're going to bury these scriptures in the ground all around my school. I said, bro, you can't do that. He goes, we'll have to do it at night. I was like, okay. And so we got all blacked up. We went to the school with us and about 30 of his friends. And for two hours from about two in the morning to four in the morning, 
We poked holes in the ground all around that school. And we buried scripture in the ground. And we asked God, I didn't ask God, those students asked God to move on their school campus that year. Now, Dan, remember, he was the kid who wore black and was a freak, right? He ended up leading the entire football team to Christ. 33 teachers came to know Christ that year. A principal, I'll never forget the day we were praying around the pole and the principal walked out to the flagpole and he said, would you pray for me? Dan and his friends led the principal to Christ right there in the spot. And I've shared this with some of you guys that that year they went from over, I mean, hundreds of incidences of fighting and different things that happened in school to like five incidences. They saw hundreds of kids come to know Christ that year. Because God spoke to one student who had the guts enough to say, I will serve and I will lead. Let's go. My challenge to you tonight is this. Will you serve and will you lead? I'm not asking you to have it all together. I'm not asking you to even know what to do. I'm just simply asking you to be available. Will you serve? Will you lead?